From KVMR Nevada City and in partnership with Freed, welcome to Disability Rap. I'm Anna Acton with Carl Sigmund. Um, On today's show, we look back at the November election. We look back at the November election. And how easily, or not, people with disabilities were able to cast our ballots here in California. We also we also look forward and hear some of the voting advocacy work in the pipeline for the coming year. We are joined by two guests today, Paul Spencer, a staff attorney with the Voting Practice Group at Disability Rights California. Um, Had a great pleasure of working with Paul over the years. Paul follows voting issues and access for people with disabilities across the state and has been working for over four years at Disability Rights California. Paul, it is so great to have you back on Disability Wrap. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me back. Yes, it's great to be back. And Russell Rawlings is also with us. Russell is the statewide community organizer. At the California Foundation of Independent Living Centers, where he also runs the Disability Organizing Network, Russell joined the team at CFILC back in April, after serving as the systems change advocate at Resources for Independent Living in Sacramento for three years. Russell, it is so great to have you with us on Disability Rap as well. Welcome. Thanks, Carl. It's really great to be here. Yeah, I think last time I was on the show, I was at Resources for Independent Living, so it's really great to be here. And later in the show, we'll also hear from our very own Carl Sigmund, who facilitates Disability Organizing Network's Voting Access and Advocacy Workgroup. Paul, we wanted to begin. Paul, we wanted to begin with you. This election was unprecedented in so many ways. It took place amid the coronavirus pandemic. Where 
It was the first election where every California voter received a vote by mail ballot. We saw widespread use of remote accessible vote by mail. Which I would like you to explain for our listeners. So, how did it go overall? What were the major takeaways? So, you know, this has been a really wild eight months since uh, the, the March primary. Um, and I, I really think it's been unprecedented for, you know, the changes that had to be implemented before November. So I will say, though, that, you know, maybe just start from, from how it ended. California's election went pretty well. Turnout was up. Things were generally accessible and voters with disabilities were thought about throughout the process. So, you know, that, that didn't happen on its own. You know, a lot of voting rights advocates since end of March, April, you know, had joined a working group of the Secretary of State to figure out what was going to happen for November. Um, and to say it was a little contentious, it, it was to really figure out how the planning was going to go. But what we ended up with, I'd be happy with it as a voting rights advocate with disabilities. Um, you know, one thing Carl says, like everyone got a vote by mail ballot, not necessarily an accessibility protection, but that did help reduce crowding for, for in-person voting. But then more importantly, California had in-person voting and, and it had enough in-person voting available so that it would be safe and accessible. Um, and also remote accessible vote by mail has always been available to people with disabilities, but, but that had a big push this year. You know, it wasn't really part of the pandemic planning, except for they expanded to allow everyone to use remote accessible vote by mail, even if you weren't a person with a disability, which was good. Um, I, I will say, you know, there were quite a few big challenges. One was, you know, there's just so many more people voting by mail. Um, you know, I, I run a hotline with my colleagues for voters with disabilities, and we were inundated with phone calls throughout October with questions on how to sign a ballot. Um, so, you know, there are protections in place for voters with disabilities that can't sign their name, but, but really the rules aren't very clear and they're difficult to understand. So, you know, that's one thing going forward is I'd like those rules to be easier to follow and easier to understand. And even some basic stuff like, you know, uh, across the state, the envelopes for vote by mail ballots, they, they look different county to county. Um, so there's, there's a list of required information on the envelope, but, you know, it's really hard giving people advice, you know, over 58 counties because the envelopes are different and, Understandably, you know, some envelopes are better than others, and you can really see how you get confused with what exactly are the requirements for the envelope. So that's something that could be better. Something else that could probably be improved for the future is curbside voting has always been an option at in-person locations in California, but you know, there was more usage of it, and you know, you can kind of see some flaws, like there really needed to be better signage, you know, a clear way to get the attention of poll workers inside the location. Um, but you know, for for Listeners, you know, around this radio station in Nevada County, you know, in some ways the election was kind of similar to how it's been in the past for you because, you know, Nevada County transitioned to the Voters' Choice Act. So they've gone to vote centers. Everyone was already getting vote by mail ballots. And, you know, other counties that hadn't done that, that's kind of what the system ended up looking like because everyone got a vote by mail ballot. 
And instead of neighborhood polling locations, you know, they had what are called super consolidated polling places, which are kind of like a vote center. So, you know, in some ways, counties like Nevada County that had gone early in the Voters' Choice Act in Sacramento County, like they were a little better prepared for making a transition to voting in the pandemic. And part of that is they already had the larger accessible locations for these vote centers already scouted out and, and set up. So in some ways it's a little easier in the Voters' Choice Act counties, but um, overall I'm, pr I'm pretty relieved the election's over and uh, it was very, very busy. Um, I know it's been busy for everyone, but this, you know, election year is always, you know, a busy time, but this has been really stressful. So it's kind of nice to kind of catch my breath right now and, you know, really think about what went well, you know, what could have gone better and, you know, what, what we might want to see changed in the future. Thank you. And Russell, I would like to go to you. Um, I, you and I and others throughout the state have worked for many years on increasing the disability vote, getting more people with disabilities registered, educated on the topics and ultimately voting um, on issues that, and candidates that um, work for them. So tell me a little bit about what you saw during this election um, around the disability vote and maybe even your own personal experience for your, your own personal experience as a person with a significant disability voting um, during this election. You know, really this, this year has been just all over the place as we've all, you know, I think we've all heard and said. Um, one of the things that I was able to pull up just before we got together today was that the, um, the State Voter Accessibility Advisory Committee uh, compiled the use of the remote accessible vote-by-mail system um, from the primary, so in March. And uh, given that the primary was March 3rd, it was literally like it, it kind of started off this whole, we were just on the right before the stay at home order and some of that. So it's really kind of a snapshot in time. And for me, it really feels like I remember that time being very, um, you know, much like uh, 2018 really felt like where there were just so many options, but it was really difficult to kind of articulate why all the options were important and maybe sharing them felt a little overwhelming at times. But I'll say as we move toward November and kind of life in, in COVID and the pandemic, it really, I think, became clear just how important all of the pre-work, the Voters' Choice Act work and education, deep education that we had been doing, um, especially, uh, you know, for me, that was my time working here locally in Sacramento. But, um, you know, as I moved into my new role at CFILC in April, it really gave me the opportunity to see all of this. And, and I'm just so glad that the advocates were at the table with um, the Secretary of State and other decision makers that said, you know, we've got such great tools, let's just make them for everyone. And let's expand that remote accessible vote by mail. Let's make sure that every voter has the opportunity to vote either from home or in person and make sure that both lanes have accessible options. And for me, personally, I chose to stay uh, away from, from the in-person voting. And that was the, this is my first time doing, well, not my very first time, my very first time voting in Sacramento County. I actually made use of curbside voting and uh, did have that experience back in uh, 2003. So uh, it was a special election from what I recall. And um, so 
I think for me, it was, you know, it was learning a new system and, and really kind of knowing that what I had been helping educate people on was going to be something that was going to be really powerful and keep me safe. And so I did use the remote accessible vote by mail system. I found it to be very, very effective. I was able to print my own ballot, uh, market myself on my computer, print it. And then I did have assistance getting it in the envelope. And then I was able to place my signature on the, on that envelope though. So it was a, it was a very, an experience where I felt like I was able to keep the privacy that I wanted, that I, that's the reason I do in-person voting typically. And so I was able to preserve that and still vote uh, independently and again, privately. So it was a great experience. And I did, you know, I also did take my ballot down though and drop it off in person at a vote center. I barely had to even step inside for two seconds. It was really easy and clean process, so. I think so many people might take for granted right, being able to vote independently and privately. But in fact, for many people with disabilities, this has not always been even an option for us. So it, it's really been, I think, you know, a lot of significant work has happened over the years to work on ensuring that there is an accessible and private vote for all of us. Paul, could you give us a quick overview of what remote accessible voting vote by mail is? So remote accessible vote by mail is it's a mouthful, but it, it really explains it, it's it's a it's a way that you can vote at home. It's a way you can download a ballot electronically, fill it out on your home computer, and then print and mail it back in. So you know it's not internet voting because you're not voting over the internet. Um, but but it's a way, you know, for people with disabilities, you know, I think the easiest way to think about this is a voter who's blind that uses a screen reader that on their home computer, they have JAWS or another screen reader program set up. And that would allow them to fill out the vote by mail ballot on their computer and then print and mail it back in. And the reason it's important is that that would allow you know, that, that voter to vote privately and independently. Because otherwise with a traditional vote by mail ballot, you know, if you're for some people with disabilities, you have to have somebody help you fill it out, which is not private. I mean, some people are, they, a lot of people don't really think about the ramifications of like having to have somebody help you fill out your ballot, but, but really it's not secret anymore. You know, even if it is your your partner, or your roommate, or someone you trust, it's still kind of weird to have to disclose how you vote. So um, that's what remote accessible vote by mail does: is it's trying to get the convenience of voting at home, but for people with disabilities, and keep it accessible. And the other thing you can think about is sort of an extension of the in-person voting experience. You know, for the last fifteen plus years, we've had accessible voting equipment when you walk in-person vote. So that accessible voting system, you know, allows people with disabilities that, that couldn't, you know, use a pen to fill out a paper ballot. It'll, it also lets them vote privately and independently. So a way to think about remote accessible vote by mail is sort of expanding that same privacy and independence into your home. Um, so, but this is the first year remote accessible vote by mail has been available statewide. And then November was the first election that it was available to all voters. I, I don't know if that'll be permanent or not, but I will say, you know, my organization, Disability Rights California, um, you know, Russell was on a lot of these calls and then also election officials from Nevada County, but it was interesting, you know, in, in April to talk about, you know, DRC, Disability Rights California, we had some concerns, you know, if remote accessible vote by mail is expanded statewide, you know, would the capacity be enough for people with disabilities that, that really, really need it? Um, you know, it, it was helpful to be able to talk directly with 
election equipment vendors and election officials who were pretty confident that it could handle um, the, the increased usage. So that, that was one nice thing of, of, about it. And it did make explaining what remote accessible vote by mail is a little bit easier for outreach for November because you're not explaining something different that's only for some people. This way you can say it's for everyone. So it, it did make outreach quite a bit easier, but it still is a, a little tough kind of explaining what it is. But I think once people learn about it, see it, um, you know, I, I, I think the data will show that people will consistently use it over time. Um, so, you know, doing education outreach, it, it's something new. Um, but it, my guess is for November, there's there's be a pretty decently high usage statewide of the of remote accessible vote by mail. Um, and if you're curious about it, you can check on your county elections website. You, you know, a lot of counties, they have some demos you can vote and, and that's how you access it too. Before we go to Carl to talk about some next steps, Disability Rights California operates a hotline for voters with disabilities. Were there any themes from those calls this year that might inform your next steps in advocacy work? <laughs> so we, we got a lot of phone calls and, you know, I, I, I actually, I handled a hotline phone call late on election night that, that was um, in, in a county in, from callers in Southern California. There were two voters with disabilities that were trying to do curbside voting, but there was a long line at their location and they couldn't get anyone's attention or they couldn't get a poll worker to come out to, to help them with curbside voting. Um, you know, we, we ended up calling the elections office on their behalf and it worked out, but you know, it definitely made me think that if there had been better signage, um, if there had been a cell phone number that those voters could have called posted in the parking lot, typically all polling captains or the inspectors, they, they're all given cell phones now. So some simple ways like that, one thing that jumped out at me. And the other thing is just making the signature rules more understandable for voters because you have to sign your vote by mail envelope, like how that works, where it goes, or especially if you're a person with a disability. And then I, I'd say that the last thing, you know, something that was kind of cool in this election is ballot tracks was available, which is the service you could sign up for where, you know, it's sort of like a package delivery tracking for your ballot where, you know, you get a text message or an email, you know, when your, when your ballot's been mailed, when it's received and when it's counted. One really cool thing that ballot tracks did is it sent you a message if your signature was rejected or you forgot to sign your vote by mail envelope. And it lets you know that, you know, you need to fix this because typically the way it happens is your county mails you a letter, but, you know, mail is not accessible for a lot of people with disabilities and just not everyone gets mail, but a text message and email for a lot of people is accessible. So it's kind of the first time there was an accessible way that people with disabilities were alerted that there was some problem with their signature um, because you, you have a little time window to fix it. So that was that was a cool thing. I really like seeing that from ballot tracks. You know, going forward, I'd like to kind of promote ballot tracks more as, you know, as, as an accessible way really to get information about, you know, when your ballot was sent, when it was counted, and, you know, if Hopefully not your signature was rejected or you forgot to sign your vote by mail ballot. So I did really like the ballot tracks. Um, that was kind of one of the happy surprises from this election. Yeah, that was really helpful. I know myself and many of my friends utilize that technology to see where our ballot was um, and make sure it, it, it got counted. Uh, kind of like Amazon packaging tracking for your uh, ballot. Right. However, uh, there were some bugs this time. I, I did hear some reports that it's one county. Some people were getting phone calls like, at 12 or 1 a.m., you know, alerting them to their ballot had been counted. So <laughs> it's supposed to not send you messages in the middle of the night. So it sounds like there were some bugs, some minor bugs, but um, 
and those should be worked out for the future. But I, I don't think that's a reason not to sign up for it, or at least sign up for text message or email, not the phone call. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Carl, I want to bring you in here. You facilitate the Disability Organizing Network's Voting Access Advocacy Workgroup. I know your group has plans to analyze remote accessible vote by mail usage across the state and conduct a survey of county election offices. Can you talk more about those efforts? Thanks, Anna. Right. So, as you mentioned, I I facilitate the voting access and advocacy work group. At the Disability Organizing Network. Right now, the group is made up of systems change advocates like me. From independent living centers across the state. But we're always looking for new members. In the lead up to the election, the group functioned as a place for us to come together. And share strategies. And ask questions of our peers around voting access and get out the vote activities. Going forward. We are really excited about remote accessible vote by mail. Publicizing our AVBM. sure every California voter with a disability knows that it is an option and knows what it is. Coming up, we will be analyzing our AVBM usage across the state. At the county level, this past election, 
and then digging into those counties with higher usage. To find out what advocacy and outreach they did. With the hopes of replicating that in counties across the state. We also are planning to survey election offices across the state to find out what options they offered voters with disabilities this past election in the middle of a global pandemic. As you know, here in the United States, elections are administered at the county level. So counties really have quite a bit of latitude around what they do. And what they provide people with disabilities. Of course, a lot is dictated by the Secretary of State's office. But counties can go above and beyond those requirements. We want to look at what each county did. And then assemble that information. And share it publicly this spring. Thanks, Carl. And if people want more information or want to get involved, who can they contact? Yeah, we are always looking for. Yeah, we are always looking for new members. Especially um, Especially out here in Nevada County.
always email me if they are People can always email me if they are interested. Or even just more, more. Or even just want more information. My email is Carl. That is C A R L at freed.org. People can also email Russell.info. That is I N F O. At disabilityorganizing.net. Thank you, Carl. That was Carl Sigmund, Freed's disability community advocate. We were also joined by Russell Rawlings, the statewide community organizer at the California Foundation for Independent Living Centers and the Disability Organizing Network, and Paul Spencer, a staff attorney at Disability Rights California. This show is produced and edited by Carl Sigmund. Special thanks to Sam Gertis for her support. To listen to the show again, go to freed.org slash disabilityrap or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Anna Acton with Carl Sigmund for another edition of Disability Rap.